Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Back with you, another August installment. That much closer to the start of college football. It is J.C. and Morgan. He is J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. And together we collaborate once again to give you 60-plus minutes of hardcore, entertaining, thoughtful, and sometimes unpredictable college football discussion. We'll do that again today. Speaking of unpredictable, J.C., you and I, a week ago, we had all this good material, people enjoying the different talk about different conferences and coaches and what to look for this season. And about, I don't know, minutes after we finished, (laughs) the Urban Meyer bombshell was dropped. So I'm happy to say we've had like record numbers of uh, listens here the last couple weeks without any controversy, without any games, just talking college football. But here is the bombshell that anybody who's been doing a uh, daily sports talk show, and you and I have both done that uh, in our past, this is something you really wish that would have happened about two months ago when you're in the true dog days of summer. I mean, you don't really need a whole lot. This is something right now... In August, we don't need a a scandal to fill up uh, time on a show or in print or anything else. But uh, they don't consider those things when when bombs like this are dropped. So right after we sign off, I'm starting to get uh, text messages and I'm seeing stuff on Twitter. Is Urban Meyer going to get fired? Is Urban Meyer going to get fired? So what what the heck is going on? And, uh, you know, Brett McMurphy is a guy that I've known for about 10 years. Used to have him on my show in Atlanta almost on a weekly basis. The thing I loved about Brett McMurphy, this was before he was with ESPN, it's back when he was uh, with CBS, you picked up the phone or we had our producer do it and ask him if he'd come on, and he would never say no. You know, a lot of the other guys, well, you know, I can't do it. Brett McMurphy would always do it because Brett McMurphy lives for that job. He did a great job at ESPN. He's going to be hired by somebody soon, according to uh, reports. I don't want to get in that whole uh, rumor mill. But his reporting per usual, was outstanding on this whole Urban Meyer situation. Not outstanding if you're an Ohio State fan, because now you have yourselves uh, a a good old-fashioned quagmire to get out of. It'll be resolved in less than two weeks, if you believe everything coming out uh, with this panel or committee or whatever you want to call it. And I don't know, J.C., I don't know about you, here's how I feel just in in short about what I think is going to happen. If you would ask me a week, first of all, I got to say this, and I, I hate doing this. Gosh, I, I don't like being critical of other people in our profession, and 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 I don't consider myself a reporter per se. I'm more on the announcing side now, and uh, I'm not I'm not out there breaking news. Not it's not my goal. But but for the folks that got this piece of information and immediately said, well, it's clear Urban Meyer is going to be fired. I mean, you had you had 
you had knowledge of one report, a good one, albeit by Brett McMurphy, and immediately I heard people on national radio shows saying he should be fired. It's a done deal. Uh, there's no way he can survive this. Well, you might be right in the long run, but honestly, you don't know much about big-time college athletics if you think it was that simple. Because Ohio State has done what most universities would do in this situation when you're dealing with a Hall of Fame coach. And I'm not saying this is the – I'm not justifying it. I'm not promoting it. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just telling you this is what reality is. Reality is when you have a coach that's won three national titles and is a t- true difference maker, you don't just jump to uh, he's our guy to, oh, bad news, bad publicity, fire him right now within 24 hours. That ain't how it works, folks. They have done – first, got to do some due process. That's what you should do anyway. Secondly, I think Ohio State's going to try to operate in the gray here. And you, if you can find that gray area that, that leaves you a little bit of wiggle room, that Urban Meyer is not such a bad guy who didn't handle it in such, not such a bad way, uh, that maybe he needs to be suspended, but we don't necessarily have to fire him. If they can somehow do that, I think they will. So when it, when it first came out, I didn't know what to think. Two, three days later, I started thinking, yeah, good chance he's going to be fired. The longer this thing drags out, JC, I'm starting to wonder if we're getting closer and closer to suspension but not getting fired. What's your take on it? What's your feel for this story right now? Well, when the news first broke, and, and first and foremost, I, 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 I want to say I think Brett McMurphy's the best hard news reporter uh, working the college football beat these days. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's a true reporter. I mean, the guy could go, if he were covering politics, he'd be one of those guys from the Washington Post that digs and digs and digs the New York Times or someplace like that. Uh, I think his hot takes on Twitter suck because he's a Big 12 guy. And you know how I feel about that. I think he takes <laughs> unnecessary shots at the SEC. But you know what? Nobody agrees with everybody. everything everybody tweets. Uh, one thing I know is if Brett, Brett McMurphy reports it, you could take it to the bank. He, he's extremely accurate. I can't. I mean, it, you know, he's, he's well-sourced, uh, hardworking guy, and a good guy. I mean, I've talked to him before, had him on shows. Um, good guy. I do want to say this, and I think it was a good report. Um, I think that, you know, you could dig into some questions as to whether or not it's the job of a sports journalist to go dig into people's personal lives and, you know, sort of expose something that the social justice warrior end of things is going to embrace and the Twitter mom's going to get after. But Brett explained that on Fine Bomb, but his, his you know, he wasn't trying to run Urban Meyer off or, or cost him his job or, or anything like that. Um, but one thing he did say on the fine bomb interview that, that I disagree with is, well, I think it's now he may get fired because he lied at sec media or, or big 10 media days. Let me just tell you something. You're not going to lose your job. If you lie to the media about a very personal situation involving your assistant coach, you're not going to, it, it's a, it, and, and look, it's okay to lie to the media. Um, when it's about that. You know, I'm not a big fan, even though I'm in the media, of coaches, you know, lying about, well, this kid should be back next week, you know, and then, you know, a press release comes out after they play their game that the kid's out for the year. You know, how'd you not know that? You know, I'm not a big fan of the actual sports things, getting, you know, bald-faced lies. I'm not talking about keeping it quiet or, or saying no comment or something like that. 
But when you're dealing with domestic violence, which is something that now, you know, has ruined Courtney. I mean, it it was ruining Courtney Smith's life. You know, she's going to become public enemy number one uh, for a majority or I'm not saying a majority, but a, a good portion of Ohio State fans, especially if Urban Meyer gets fired. That doesn't help her at all that it's come out in public. Uh, Zach Smith did deserve to lose his job, and he was fired before all this broke. Um, you know, so I, and I think he's a generally a, a, a POS of, of an individual from what I know of him. I don't know him personally, but he's a guy that got in a Twitter war one time with LeVar Ball about stealing, <laughs> about stealing a, a, an emblem or something. I mean, if you're an assistant coach at a college program, uh, and your wide receivers, by the way, underachieve relative to their talent coming out of high school. Um, and, and you get in Twitter battles with LeVar Ball. Um, or, you know, one, one tweet was from 2015, ironically. Uh, in the middle of recruiting, he, he's tweeting at Target because they wouldn't take back some TV or, or piece of electronic equipment that he wanted to take back. I, I think being Earl Bruce's grandson, he's an entitled little, you know what, um, and I think he deserved to be fired a long time ago. I understand the loyalty aspect of it Urban Meyer has because of his relationship with Earl Bruce. I do not think under any circumstances, though, that Ohio State is going to fire Urban Meyer, nor should fire Urban Meyer, because he sat up there at Big Ten Media Days and lied. You know, that does appear to be a cover-up, but when you're put on the spot like that, over a situation where a guy, you know, you, you finally fired him, and it's a very personal situation because of who it is, and it's a personal situation because of his, his wife, and you don't want, you know, his wife to be victimized by the masses. You know, you're just trying to kind of take care of it, get it done, let the guy – I mean, Zach Smith needed help. He needs help. That is an individual that needs help, obviously. His wife or ex-wife or whatever she is, estranged wife, she needs help. Th- their kids are going to need help. You know, but now they're these, you know, figures in the media in, in this ongoing drama. Zach Smith, to show you how much of an idiot he is, continues to do interviews <laughs> with the media. I mean, I don't even know who his lawyer is, but that guy's an idiot. There's a lot of idiots running. I, mean, I feel bad for Urban Meyer on this situation. But under no circumstances do I think you take the media deal and say, all right, that's he lied to the media, so you're, you're fired. I mean, do I think he should have? No. Do I think he could have handled it a lot better? Absolutely. I think Urban Meyer could have sat there and said, no comment. I don't comment on personnel matters. Uh, no comment, no comment, no comment, no comment. That's, that's all you got to do is no comment it. No well, comment let me, at all. Let me, let me take it, let me, to your point, let me take it a step further. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, and, and, and at the end of the day, do I really care if coaches are, are lying or being dishonest? At a media day function, it doesn't it doesn't really mean much to me. Um, I think a lot of what we get out of media ga- media days is nothing anyway. And I've been to probably fifteen of them, and I can count on one hand anything I learned from <laughs> media days. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're they're more about. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. They're more about. It's an excuse for us to really feel like the start of football season is here. But they're they're less about information and hard news, so let's just let's take that let's take that out of the equation that yes. he lied and me. Okay, now the question, the deeper question is, 
whether he lied or he didn't, he did keep this guy on his staff for a lengthy amount of time after these incidents started surfacing, which go all the way back to his Florida days. Uh, and you're, you're, you're forced to believe one of two things. If, if Brett McMurphy's reporting is true, and again, 99.9% yeah. of the time it is, you're forced to believe that Urban Meyer's wife knew about this. And by proxy, you would assume that she told her husband, the head football coach, about this. So chances are Urban knew, okay? And Urban knew for several years. So, so taking the media out of the equation, ultimately Urban is going to be judged and this decision is going to in part be made based on the fact whether he lied or not, he kept a guy on his staff and somewhat protected that that particular coach, knowing that he somewhat routinely beat his wife. And that's, to me, what this comes down to. And then you have to make a decision as Ohio State University, uh, okay, it's a mistake by Urban Meyer. I think if Urban could go back in time. When I first heard this story, I'm like, I don't understand this. It's a wide receivers coach for crying out loud. And as you mentioned, not even a great one. So what the hell is the purpose of do, going through all the The obvious answer we later found out is that the relationship to Earl Bruce. That's what this came down to. Coaches have, have done a lot in the name of keeping uh, a, a star player on the field. I mean, you know, you might go back to the most recent example in terms of high profile. Think of what Bob Stoops, Stoops had to go through with Joe Mixon. Now, Joe certainly paid the price and had to miss a lot of football, but he came back. And that story, I really think that story haunted Bob Stoops that final year at Oklahoma to the point that retirement looked a lot better having to deal with that mess. Um, so you're used to seeing coaches really kind of bend their morality, if you will, when it's keeping a star player on the field or even keeping a, a, a stud coordinator around. This is a receiver's coach. They're expendable. But obviously, this is a personal relationship. And so Urban's looking after his guy, who happens to be related to Earl Bruce, who Urban Meyer happens to have uh, a, a long relationship with, a special bond uh, with Coach Bruce for a, for a number of years. So that's where this thing gets... Uh, un unusual in terms of what we're used to covering and hearing about with coaches just having that, okay, I know this guy did some terrible things, and in some cases, I know this guy is a POS, but I'm going to keep him eligible anyway because he helps me win football games. You didn't need this guy. You didn't need Zach Smith. They, they win a national title without Zach Smith. They win Big Ten championships without Zach Smith. He had success in Florida without Zach Smith. So Zach Smith really, in, in the name of Winning, winning at all costs, that's not the issue here. This is clearly a guy who wanted to protect somebody based on a personal relationship, not about cutthroat wins and losses. And, again, a very difficult decision is going to have to be made. I, I am at the point now where I don't think they're going to pull the trigger. I think they're going to they're gonna do everything they can. And what I'd like to see, if they don't pull the trigger, Urban, do a mea culpa here. Go go in front of everybody. Admit you screwed up, okay? Obviously, at that point, it's not a fireable offense. You you know you're maintaining your employment and, and holding on to one of the best jobs in college football, and your career has not been uh, killed at that point. 
but but show a little bit of sympathy. Stop with the double talk. Stop with the justification. Stop with the oh geez, I I didn't know. Just go out and say I messed up, and I think people would honestly have more respect for that. I, I really do. I think they would have more respect for that. You know, at the end of the day, it's not Urban Meyer beating his wife. It's it's a guy under him that did it, and. He made a mistake by not firing him sooner. He made a mistake by lying about it. He made a mistake by letting it go on and on and on based on a personal relationship. But just go out there and take some heat. Running away, you can't run away from this. This thing's gonna. If he mains, if he maintains his job at Ohio State, there's going to be protests and there's going to be the same thing that we're used to seeing. I, I think people become immune to that anyway. Every any anybody with a picket sign nowadays can find something to 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 do with their spare time. Uh, but but take the heat and have a little bit of a mea culpa moment in front of all the cameras, live press conference, fall on the sword a little bit, and, and then go ahead and do the best you can to, to block it out and stay focused on what could be a team that we could be talking about three and a half months from now, four months from now, in the college football playoff. Yeah, and and look, I I think if he does retain his job and and all that, then then that's what needs to be done from his part. I thought the statement he released on Friday sort of read like a uh, a lawyering thing, maybe uh, like when that when he released that statement, Mike, I thought, well, they're trying to fire him, and he's releasing this statement so they don't fire him with calls. Um, you know, or, or so they can't fire him with calls or whatever. Um, and I thought the statement was interesting because it did say it basically was kind of vague in the sense it said, I've always followed the proper reporting procedures. So that leads to the question. And I talked about this on another podcast earlier this week. Uh, that leads to the question of were the procedures in place at Ohio State institutionally to where he had to report it to a Gene Smith? Now, there are reports out there that Gene Smith met with Zach Smith, no relation. Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director, mm-hmm. um, and warned him about this situation. So if, if the AD knew about it, and, and Urban Meyer also knew about it, th- then there may be some sort of liability on the part of the AD or the school president, whoever um, theoretically outranks Urban Meyer in the chain of command, they could have said, hey, look, you know, you need to fire this guy, Urban, or he's going to bring the whole thing down. He, he's a lunatic, uh, and you need to get rid of it. Um, you know, and, and meanwhile, you have Zach Smith out there doing interviews on the radio, which I think I think just speaks to this is a person that doesn't get it. This is a person that needs help. I mean, look, I, I don't care if you get in trouble and want to go do radio interviews and try to clear your name. That's your right as a United States citizen. Uh, if you want to argue with Target on Twitter, um, you know, about returning electronics when you should be out there recruiting or working on your job, that's your that's your right as an American citizen. If you want to go and have a Twitter battle with LeVar Ball over something stupid, that is your right as an American citizen. You do not have the right to beat your wife, ever. You don't have the right to beat up anybody. That is against the law. Uh, that 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 proves to me that you need help. Serious, serious help. She needs help. You need to stay the hell away from her unless it has to do with the kids. Blah, 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 blah. But but you've you got this guy with a cavalier attitude, almost like he's trying to knock down her story. Um, you know, and, and, and it seemed to me like Urban Meyer and Zach Smith lawyered up. On, but that was Friday. So mm-hmm. then we find out about the commission. And we know these commissions, 
Whether you're dealing with a commission like, oh, the Warren Commission with the JFK assassination or the 9-11 Commission. So the, these commissions sometimes, Mike, they, they come out with things and findings and then we're like, you know, there's 20 million different other theories that are plausible that they didn't find. Um, and some of them aren't credible. Some of them are. I would tend to believe that a, uh, a bureauc- being academic bureaucracies as universities are, this will be similar to a kangaroo court. In a lot of ways. Um, but when I find out, found that out about the commission, um, you know, I think they're going to come out with findings or whatever and recommendations, as colleges do. Here are our recommendations. And we're going to put some, s- some new policies in place to where this doesn't ever happen again. And there's going to be some, you know, song and dance about domestic violence. Everybody's going to release a statement. Uh, hopefully, like you said, Urban Meyer does a little more and comes out as the leader of that football program and apologizes. And I think he's going to be clear to coach game one. That's my gut feeling now. No suspension. My gut feeling at the beginning was suspension. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, and, and a lot depends on what is true about – it doesn't matter what he told Brett McMurphy. You know, it doesn't matter what he told the media at Big Ten Media Days. What matters is what was the timeline and the policy in place for reporting it to his superiors – theoretically, at Ohio State University. You know, because that gets into a Title IX issue, uh, a lot of different things. Uh, you know, if you read his contract, which, by the way, he just signed, and if they fired him without calls, it's $38 million. Hmm. You know, so with that much coin at stake, you're, you're dang right I'm going to release a statement kind of making, you know, clearing my name or all that. Um, but there's all kinds of things in there about morality and, and, and things of that nature. Um you know, and I think that, you know, had he just hid that and knew about it and told nobody at Ohio State, then that's a different story altogether, and he probably should be fired with calls. Um, but but I'll say this, with, with the, the Gene Smith information coming out, that, oh, Gene Smith may have known about it, well, maybe he's liable. You know, I, I think there is some liability on the part of Ohio State because this guy was employed, you know, this happened in 2015. He's employed all of 2016, all of 2017, and just gets fired right before 2018. You know, um, I, I do think that there's some liability here. Um, I think the institution, I mean, colleges or institutions failed, you know, everyone involved, especially Courtney Smith and her kids. But, um, you know, I, I just, I think as far as Urban Meyer himself, if it comes out that he did everything by the book, shared it with his superiors, you know, they didn't come back and say, you need to fire him right now. Then I, I just, you know, ethically, does it look bad? Yes. Will he need to repair his image? Yes. But I just I just don't know that they're going to fire him. Uh, as long as he followed pol- university policy with regards to that um, behind the scenes. And, and that's kind of that gray area. Can they <laughs> prove that he followed policy? And, yep. and if they can... Uh, that's the gray area they need to say this is why he is still employed. Uh, the Gene Smith thing, but I, I just got to say this. And by the way, in terms of commissions, no one could do a worse job than the Warren Commission as a JFK historian. <laughs> Let me just say that as a complete aside. That's a whole other podcast. Um, they, they were <laughs> they were not exactly doing uh, some diligent work over there with uh, Mr. Earl Warren and company, but. In, in terms of Gene Smith, I, I have to laugh when I hear people say, well, well, Gene Smith clearly should have fired Urban Meyer right away. Look, here's what you got to know again. 
the the regular world and the big time college athletics world. The AD, yeah, you could say he's the most powerful person in terms of he hires coaches and fires coaches, and therefore, if this was a pyramid, you might think he's at the top of the pyramid, just below the school president. That all changes when you have a Hall of Fame coach in either college football or college basketball. That coach is a hell of a lot more powerful than the AD. So Gene Smith, who you know they've had some other issues to deal with at Ohio State uh, with some other sports, is not the only scandal. I don't know much about wrestling, so I'm not even going to uh, try and tackle that whole story. But uh, the fact of the matter is, no matter what you think of Gene Smith, I'm not going to sit here and just tell you that he he should have been fired and he's he's the whole culprit here and uh, the buck stops there. Gene Smith is a lightweight compared to Urban Meyer in this context because Urban Meyer is bigger than Gene Smith in every way, shape, or form. Ask your average fan, would they want Urban Meyer for another three years or Gene Smith for another 30 and the answer is we could care less if we lost Gene Smith tomorrow. We want to keep Urban Meyer in terms of the success of our beloved football program at Ohio State. So an AD in that situation knows if he is going to survive, he can't just sit there and go, oh, well, we got a little scandal here. You're fired. That's <laughs> not happening with a Hall of Fame coach. It just doesn't work that way. So when I hear that kind of stuff where all of a sudden, you know, the uh, – the, the radar goes away from Urban Meyer and squarely on the, the shoulders of Gene Smith. I have to laugh a little bit because, again, whether Gene did the right thing, the wrong thing, or anything, Gene Smith is almost powerless in a spot like this unless he has what you have right now, which is all this momentum behind him and behind the national media, behind a, a, you know, a Me Too movement that, that has – uh, a story like this is nothing new. A story like this in 2018 is different, and it's not handled the same way, and it is taken more seriously. Uh, that That is the one thing, no matter what happens in this situation, it's undeniable. These stories now, after Baylor, after a number of other things, domestic violence, sexual assault is no longer treated as uh, laissez-faire, haphazardly as it used to be, which I think is a good thing. Uh, but uh, I, I, I can't I can't sit here and say that Gene Smith firing Gene Smith is the answer to all the problems in this debacle. Uh, not at all. Not from where I stand. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you to a certain point, not totally, but to a certain point. Uh, here's here's the theoretical where I think you could volley the blame or the the, the liability back and forth between Gene Smith and Urban Meyer. You are absolutely correct. There is no way on God's green planet that Gene Smith is going to fire Urban Meyer, you know, out of something that comes out of left field that one of his assistants did. Or if Urban Meyer, he looked at Urban Meyer and said, listen, you need to let Zach Smith go. And Urban said, no, I'm not doing it. Mm. Okay, that's scenario one. And Gene Smith said, okay. Um, in that in that situation, you know, yes, Gene Smith is technically his superior, but it, it's kind of like, you know, a director, you know, directing his first big action film, um, you know, and Bruce Willis is a superstar. 
and, and Bruce Willis, and, and I, I'm going to steal something from Kevin Smith's stand-up when he used to work with Bruce Willis, and it's funny if you haven't seen it. Uh, Bruce Willis just decides the script sucks and shuts down production for a couple of days, starts grilling steaks out by his trailer. You know, what, 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 now, technically, the director is in charge, but but right. what, what, what are you going to do if Bruce Willis is just grilling steaks going, hey, you need to fix the script, man. You know, yeah. uh, you know who do you who who else do you have? Uh, you know, for for the role of um, who's the diehard guy? What's his uh, character's name? Oh, it's uh, uh, I just saw a whole roast on Bruce Willis, which was incredibly uh, hilarious, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh my goodness! I can't believe. I can't. Are you kidding me? I, I remember Hans. I, I remember Hans and can't remember the I, name. How can we remember Hans so and not remember the star of Die Hard? I don't remember the character's name. God almighty. That, Mr. That's, Cowboy. Yippee-ki-yay. Too many, too many John Wayne movies. Uh, yippee-ki-yay. This but, is sad. I, I'm remembering Hans, but I, we can't remember the star of the actual movie, Die I Hard. Just can't, I can't believe that. We I are going to get blasted when people are listening to this part of the podcast. I just can't. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just kind of beside myself here over that. But, but I mean, anyway, so Kevin Smith's talking about how they, you know, Bruce Willis shut down production. Um, you know, because he was unhappy with the script. And, and that's the same scenario that very well could have happened. Um, you know, you, you want, uh, you want the, uh, John McClain. 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 Oh, Mr. my McClain. God. There's a, uh, there, I think that's there's actually a, an NFL writer out of Houston named John McClain that covers the Texas and used to cover the Oilers and, and uh, things with the Chronicle. Really good guy. So if you're listening, John McClain, sports writer, I'm sorry I did not remember that. Spells it differently than the diehard character. Anyway, so, so okay, so if Urban Meyer is the Bruce Willis in this scenario and Gene Smith is the director, you know, of the movie that gets shut, you know, you're going to go fix the script and keep shooting. Because you're not going to have a movie. And that, that was the quote that Kevin Smith was talking about. Bruce Willis was like, uh, who else did you have in mind to play John McClane? <laughs> Who's your second <laughs> choice to play this character? You know, um, and, and that happens in situations all the time. So, so in that case, Mike, if Urban Meyer was the Bruce Willis and said, no, I'm not firing him. I don't care what you say. Um, and was insubordinate and Gene Smith kind of took it. Yes, Gene Smith is a weakling. I don't know exactly what he could have done in that situation. Um, you know, maybe he's not a weakling. Maybe his hands were just tied. And in that case, Mike, Urban Meyer's culpable. If that information happened to come out, he needs to. He, need, he doesn't need to be head coach at Ohio State anymore, because that is that that's that's going too far. When you you put your institution at risk for that, when people know about things like that. Um, and, and cause you're basically saying, no, we're going to sweep it under the rug and he's staying, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, you can, you can say, Hey, we need to keep this quiet. Let's fire him. Let's just say, you know, he resigned, let him resign, you know, let him save face, but you're not going to work here because you're putting your entire, you know, I mean, look, what if he'd have killed his wife? I mean, what if that would have come out and then all this would have come out? I mean, what, what kind of stain then? Because that happens. Accidents happen in the heat of domestic mm-hmm. violence and stuff like that. So, I mean, what you know, that that to me that puts so much liability on Ohio State University if Urban Meyer if that was the scenario and Urban Meyer said, "No, I'm not going to fire him. He's Earl Bruce's grandson. I don't care what you say." Then, then to me, he needs to be gone. And and I don't know that he can't coach someplace else as long as he doesn't hire Zach Smith and all of his assistants go through background checks. Um but, but, you know, I don't know that he can't coach someplace else, but for Ohio State, you, I don't care who you are. 
And you may be bigger than the institution at some point. You know, some coaches are a little bigger than the institution. But I just I, I think it, it, with the, as proud of football history as that school has, as great of a school as it is academically, it's the pride of the great state of Ohio. You know, they've had great coach after great coach after great coach. Some have left in scandal, by the way. <laughs> Jim Tressel. Uh, and then uh, – I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on names. You know the, the 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 one that hit the Clemson player, Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes yeah. slugged the Clemson player. Jim Trussell with Tattoo Gate. Charlie uh, Bowman. Yeah, John John Cooper just got fired because he lost to South Carolina in the Outback Bowl. Um, Earl Bruce ended up getting fired. But but I mean, look, the, the Ohio State has plenty of great coaches. Urban Meyer, uh, and I know in the internet age, everything's oh, the world's falling down. You can go get a. You can go get another great coach. It's still going to be a great program, you know. Thank Urban for what he did and, and move on. It's not like Florida, where you can only point to Urban and one other guy that's ever had success there. They will be Ohio State football will be fine. I promise. They were fine when they hired Urban and on probation they won every single football game that year that they played that they didn't go to a bowl. I mean, Ohio State football will live. So, so if it's that case, Mike, I think that the, the, he puts the institution. Uh, and all that it stands for in so much jeopardy, you know, if you, if you just, I'm bigger than you, I'm not going to fire him, that, that in that case he needs to go. Now, let's say that Gene Smith agree, d- didn't say, didn't recommend that he fire Because Gene Smith, I don't think he can fire Urban Meyer. I think he could fire Zach Smith. Let's oh, sure. Say, let, let's say Gene Smith, you know, just kind of said, oh, well, I talked to him and he said he's going to do better if indeed that conversation happened. And, oh, well, let's just keep going, Urban, and fine. Then he's an enabler. Then I think at that point, Mike, the institution has failed. There's really no one person at fault. There's a lot of different fault. Uh, and then in that case, I think you just need to reexamine um, your policies and, and, and how you deal with that. And, you know, you need to get some other people involved to kind of do some oversight so something like this never happens again. You need to publicly apologize to Courtney Smith. And if you want to if you want to do something like Urban Meyer's not going to coach the first couple of games – I think that's fine as well. I don't think it's going to come to that. I think what we're going to see is um, they followed the right procedure. Um, I'm going to Urban Meyer fire follow. It'll be Urban Meyer followed the right procedure. This is my prediction: the right procedures, um, and then Gene Smith may get fired or resign because they'll probably try to tack it on somebody because somebody's got to lose their job, you know. And then they'll come out with all these policies and procedures in place. Go hire another athletic director. Um, if it gets out and this may end up even, this may not be the, the quote unquote Warren commission that does this. It may be some more investigative reporting. If it comes out that urban Meyer, and if I'm Gene Smith and they try to tack it on me and urban did refuse to fire Zach Smith, I'm going to go talk to somebody about it in the media. And if it comes out that that happens, then I think urban Meyer's liable. And I don't think he'll be the coach at Ohio state anymore. It's just so kind of intricate as to exactly what happened and when, who knew, and, and, and the most important thing about it, Mike, it's not only who knew, it's, it's what was done. What was the response to this? And, and, and I, think, I think that, at the very least, the institution failed a lot of people, and, and they have to at least put some new procedures in place. The Takagi building, by the way, is uh, where Die Hard uh, – and, and you could say Ohio State resembles a little bit of the Takagi building at this point um, – no, I don't think we took. I don't think we really disagree on Gene Smith. I just think that in an AD, in, in that spot, 
whether he's culpable on, on something or not, whether he handled it right or not, he's not firing Urban Meyer. He, he's yeah. just not doing it. And, and if, you, if you're realistic about it, because Gene Smith wants to remain employed at Ohio State, and if he fires his Hall of Fame coach because of the actions of a wide receivers coach, um, Gene Smith could be out of a job very quickly as well. That's why uh, to, to put it all on, on the AD in these situations to me uh, is just not realistic because it's, it's, not your tip, it's not like your typical business where you have a CEO and a GM and a president and there's this very defined and clear-cut hierarchy that doesn't exist in college athletics. If this is the... Uh, you know, if this is the head coach of Kent State and this happens, it's a pretty easy move for the AD to fire the head coach of Kent State. For that matter, uh, if this was Coach Cooper at Ohio State and all this happened, Coach Cooper did not did not have great success at Ohio State. Some people believe he very much underachieved and was not the caliber of what an Ohio State coach should be, and therefore he was summarily dismissed. That would be a lot easier decision. When you have a guy who's – how many coaches right now in college football, J.C., have multiple national titles? Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, who else? Are we missing somebody? Uh, I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. No, so, no, not, not in college, not in college football. Not active college football coaches. There's 129 of them. Two have multiple national titles. Urban's got three, one in Columbus. And you're right. Ohio State is, is going to be fine post-Urban Meyer. They're one of those. There's about a dozen of them. The, just elite programs that are always going to be built for success. Yeah, they might make a couple of bad coaching hires and take a dip, but eventually they'll get it right and they'll be back to prominence. Totally agree with that. That being said, that national title was just a couple of years ago. Those wins over Michigan are concurrent right now. And so that's a fan base that simply does not want to part with Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. And there, I, I, I guarantee you there, there are things being said and done that we have no idea, and no one, not Brett McMurphy, not anybody, has any idea of what's being said or done. By that I mean there are people, very influential people around that program with a lot of money, that give a lot of money, that are telling the president, the board, the AD, and anybody who listens, if you fire this man, you're going to have me to answer to, or you're going to have a lot less money coming in. The Money talks. And and those those every school's got them right. Every school's got that that kind of dirty dozen group of very influential boosters and alums, and so they're making their own case be known on this. And something tells me, just just a hypothesis here, that most of those influential people behind the scenes that don't have an administrative job but still have a very strong influence on the program are mm. saying. Make this go away. Yes. Find a way to keep Urban Meyer our head coach. And this this is where I go back to step one, and that is this. And I'll end end my uh, part of this equation on on what's going to happen or what should happen on this. Urban, you are culpable. You can can twist and turn this thing in a million different ways. No one's going to buy the fact that you didn't know that this happened, that this was going on. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to buy that at this point. You made a mistake. You should have fired him sooner. So if those two things are pretty much, for the most part, set in stone in the court of public opinion, uh, 
to me, if I'm one of these advisor uh, PR type, you know, things that the president has and every politician has and people in prominence have, you know, what are you doing? A crisis management is what they call it, right? Uh, step three is get in front when, – when you know that you're going to be able to keep your job, suspended or not, get in front of that damn podium, have the biggest mea culpa of your life, show some humility, show some remorse, show some gratitude for getting another chance and then move forward as best you can. I mean, to me, that is the advice somebody has to be giving Urban Meyer, which certainly would be better advice that Zach Smith is getting because the more he goes on radio and television, like you said, the worse he comes off. <laughs> it, I mean, it is, it, it's not a good look. No, it's just not. It, it's terrible. Yeah, it, and you mentioned that about the national championship. Um, there's only four active coaches with national championships at all right now, Mike. Uh, that's Nick Saban who has more than the other three combined. Mm -hmm. Urban Meyer, who has three. Dabo Sweeney with one and Jimbo Fisher with one. And that's, that's it. it. That's wow. it. So, <laughs> I mean, there's – you know, you, a, a lot of national title-winning coaches have left the game, and, and I was kind of racking my brain about it. Um, Frank Solich was close at Nebraska, and, of course, he's still hanging on at Ohio. And a lot of people don't realize the 2001 Miami Hurricanes, which, by the way, I got to – poke a little fun at ESPN real quickly uh, about ranking that team the third best team behind the 2005 Texas Longhorns mm. and 2008 Florida Gators. Um, no, that was that team would have gone up and down the field, I think, on either one of those teams. Mm. Of course, Vince Young, um, I don't know, maybe Vince Young makes the difference, but I, I, that, that 2001 Miami team was one of the best teams I've ever seen. Most NFL players, I think, of any uh, college yeah. football team ever. Yeah, and uh, Larry Coker won that title, though, and of right. course he's not at Texas San Antonio anymore. A lot of people think Butch Davis won it, and, and Butch Davis is still mm -hmm. active. He's down at FIU, but uh, he left for the Cleveland Browns right, uh, right before that happened. So Larry very, Coker, very he was he he was like the George Seifert of, of coaching for a while. Remember, <laughs> George Seifert takes over for Bill Walsh, inherits all these Hall of Famers, Montana Rice, everybody else wins a Super Bowl in his first year, has this outrageously good winning percentage, and eventually uh, cooled off. Went to the Carolina Panthers. That was a debacle, and. and yeah, and that was it. Well, Larry Coker, if you look at his winning percentage, like the first three years as a head college football coach at Miami, it's ridiculously good. And then it just went south so quickly. And then before you know it, he's coaching Texas San Antonio and and did not do a very good job there either. But that's how quickly things can change. So, but, but that gives you an idea. I mean, you're, that stat you just mentioned just amplifies the point. This is not this is not your average situation. And while while maybe it shouldn't matter, it does matter. You know, if you want to deal with the theoretical versus reality, the reality is when you do have three national championships under your belt and when you are a Hall of Fame coach of a marquee program, how things are handled are just different. It's like the old expression, you know, head coaches, do you treat your star player different than your other players? The true answer is hell yes. The, 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 the proper answer that people want to hear is, well, we're all treated the same. And the, the true answer is you're not treating LeBron James the same way you're treating the 12th guy on the bench. So uh, in this situation, this is being handled differently because it's Urban Meyer. Uh, and we're yeah, going to know in less than no two weeks. About it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah. I apologize for my computer going crazy right there. But, yeah, so switching gears, we need to talk a little bit about some coaching. Um, and uh, you had a pretty good topic for us uh, as far as – 
some risers and fallers. And, and I guess that this is a good question because I see some of these articles. First and foremost, Mike, who, who do we think is going to be the next coach to win a national title? I mean, this is getting to be an exclusive club. And if you think about it, Les Miles is, you know, he got fired a couple years ago. He had one. Um, you know, Steve Spurrier had one and he retired a couple of years ago. I mean, it's just, uh, there's been a lot of change. And, you know, usually there's about seven or eight of them. But yeah. only four now, and uh, I know it's Nick Saban's world, and we all live in it. But uh, somebody's somebody's got to break through, right? Yeah, theoretically, someone else other than Nick Saban uh, is going to win national titles, and obviously Dabo's already won one, so that wouldn't qualify for the for the question there. Although, would not the way Clemson is rolling right now in recruiting and everything else, I don't think it would be would shock people if they wound up with another Natty. Uh, but I I'll tell you what. I'll go with two names right off the bat that probably wouldn't be at the top of everybody's list. I'm going to go James Franklin of Penn State, which, by the way, if they did fire uh, Urban Meyer at Ohio State, uh, to me, Penn State would be the favorite to win the Big Ten. I I, I do think that changes. I know it's about the Jimmys and the Joes, but with all due respect uh, to the rest of that staff, you lose an Urban Meyer, and that's a difference maker. And they do have a good staff. And Ryan Day is a good coach, too, the the interim. Uh, I'm going Michigan, though, instead of Penn State for you there. I I love Penn State, but I'm going to go Michigan. Yeah. Now, if we're going to spread this thing out over, like, 10 years – you know, as opposed to in the in the near and because at this rate, Alabama is going to win it every other year anyway. So it's yeah. not going to be a whole lot of windows of opportunity. But long term, I'm still a believer in this coach and in this program. And I still can't believe that this program is going to be, quote unquote, down for much longer. But I would not outrule in the next 10 years a trophy going to Austin, Texas, and Tom Herman. I still think that at some point, Texas will reign supreme in the Big 12 again, not Oklahoma, and Texas will be in the playoff, and Tom Herman will have his guys and have everything rolling, and the recruits will keep pouring in blue chip after blue chip, and yeah, it seems unfathomable now, but... I, I think that's if we're talking about a guy who hasn't won one yet and a program that hasn't won one in, what, uh, close to 15 years, I'd say Tom Herman in Texas would be another candidate. Yeah, and obviously I think Kirby's smart just because of, you know, where Georgia was when he took over and sort of, you know, their recruiting. And, and I mean, they've got a good quarterback coming back in Jake Fromm. What's behind him, Justin Fields, he could be a scary, scary player for the SEC in years to come, they're always going to have defensive players, always going to have running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to say who is the next breakthrough guy in the club, because I think Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney will win it this year. Maybe if Urban Meyer comes back and rallies the troops and they play with a chip on their shoulder like they did during the playoff run where they won a national title with their third-string quarterback, maybe Ohio State gets another one. But I, I, I don't I don't see it, and I don't think Jimbo Fisher will win one at A&M this year. I, I just, you know, this year it's going to be awfully hard for anybody to break through um, into that club. Maybe Jim Harbaugh, if Michigan can, you know, win the Big Ten. But I, of all those guys, I think Kirby Smart, I absolutely agree with you that Tom Herman is going to bring Texas back. There was a culture issue at Texas that Mac Brown let linger for too long. Charlie Strong tried to change it too dramatically and didn't didn't have his offense figured out till his last year. 
And then his defense goes down the tubes, like most defenses in the Big 12, because it was a soft program. Charlie Strong's a tough, hard-nosed coach, but um, he, he could not change it. And they, don't, they didn't really give him a whole lot of time because the Tom Herman sweepstakes were heating up. I, I, I think, you know, Tom Herman's a little polarizing at times. Um, he's an emotional guy. Uh, I, uh, I do think, though, with the resources that they have in Austin, Texas, and what they're going to build, Mike, all these schools are building all these facilities. Texas is behind in facilities. Texas still park practices in a, on a practice field that's underneath an interstate in downtown Austin. Now, the problem is, if you've been to Austin, Texas lately, there's no place to put anything because the city's just grown, 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 grown. The university's right downtown. But they've got enough money, and, and, and it's the Longhorns. They're going to figure that out eventually. So, you know, we see all these new facilities being built in the SEC and elsewhere, and Texas is behind. Well, what's going to happen when you get the Texas money flowing behind projects like that? And it's going to take that program even higher from a recruiting standpoint, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm with you on Tom Herman. And as we kind of transition here and go back just for one second to speculate, uh, Ohio State, if it opens, if it opens, would Tom Herman be a candidate for the Buckeyes? Well, this goes back to, and we see this all the time now. You just don't leave. Well, yeah, I mean, would the Buckeyes want him? Sure. Uh, is he leaving? No. The, the, if you're a group of five school, okay, I mean, UCF, for example, if, if that fan base, which is a, a loyal, passionate fan base, I have friends that are alums of that school, and I mean, they live, eat, sleep, breathe, night athletics, they're good fans, and, and by golly, they've watched that program go from Division Two to 1AA to from this conference to that conference. Uh, they had delusions of grandeur of getting in the Big 12, never going to happen. Um, they could have given up their collective right arm. Scott Frost was going. They, they, and it's not just because it was his alma mater. Scott Frost eventually was going to get a job that UCF could not even get in the same ballpark financially. So group five schools, if you want a, a really hot group five coach, you know, maybe, maybe this year that will be Coach Norvell of Memphis, who knows, whoever it might be. If you really want one and you're a power five school, the chances are you can get them. If you're already the head coach of a premier power five school and you're winning, you're not going to lose your head coach to another school unless there's just this unique bond like it's the alma mater or something like that. I don't see Tom Herman, even though he spent time there under Urban and has a national championship ring there, I don't see him bolting Texas uh, for Ohio State, unless it's just going terribly wrong at Texas. I mean, if they went, if they went seven and five this year, or six and six, or something, and the fans are like, "Look, uh, I, we we gave him two years. He couldn't do a damn thing. I mean, he's he's slightly better than Charlie. That's not what we bargained for. If there's some type of outcry and he's just not feeling welcome there, then yeah, that could happen. Uh, barring that, which I don't see happening, based on my earlier prediction. Um, no, I, 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 I saw that name mentioned as well, as well as some, I saw Bob Stoops' names mentioned. Uh, yeah, Bob Stoops, who got burnt out with the whole dealing with drama, wants to go back into something like that? Don't think so. Um, David Shaw of Stanford I've seen mentioned. Gary Patterson of TCU. I mean, all these are like great names. Hey, Gary, and if you're, 
you know, if you're looking through scarlet and gray glasses, you can justify a reason why they'd want to leave this great situation they're already in to go to Columbus. But I, I don't think that's realistic. You want to know what's a more realistic hire? If you want to, somebody like a Matt Campbell, if he if he had another good year at Iowa State and pulled off another upset and maybe won a bowl game and and won seven eight games at a place that nobody wins seven eight games at anymore. Then Matt Campbell's going to be a hot, hot, hot name, and I believe he's 38 years old. And oh, by the way, he played at Division Three powerhouse Mount Union, so he knows a thing or two about the state of Ohio. That's a realistic name. Na- names like Tom Herman are not realistic. I think he's the only name for that job. I think Matt Campbell. And look, I know a lot of people from Ohio, and then you know, growing up in South Carolina, my mom was from Myrtle Beach, so. Those of you in Ohio listening, we've got to know you fine folks <laughs> very well every summer. <laughs> um, you know, you see the license plates down there in the Grand Strand. But, I mean, they have a lot of pride, okay? And, and, and Ohio State, obviously, is the passion of the state. That Mountain Union program has universal respect throughout the country. Uh, and he, here's Matt Campbell, who worked his way up, who Urban Meyer really loved, and, and recommended – I mean, I, I was shocked he took Iowa State, to be honest with you. But uh, I know the folks in Ames are glad he did because he's a hell of a coach. Um, I think he's – I'm not going to say the only guy because Ohio State can really get anybody they want. But, man, I mean, you're, you're catching that guy on the – he could be the coach at Ohio State for 22 years and win five national titles. You know, that's that it, – it's that good of a marriage – in my opinion, when you consider who he is. And, and I, I, quite frankly, I think Tom Herman has the job Tom Herman needs right now. And and even if not, it would take some fallout with the administration similar to Jimbo at Florida State uh, for that to happen. And, and if you look, Mike, last year the, the coaching carousel was a little bit rare because, you know, you did have Willie Taggart leaving a Power 5 job, Oregon for FSU, which I think made sense, as great of a job as Oregon is. You know, it's Florida State. You're only the third coach there in 60 years. You know, it, there's tons of talent. You're you're from there. I mean, that that's a destination job, as good as Oregon is. Um, you know, and, and of course, Jimbo going to A&M. Other than that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of a, a lateral Power 5 move without somebody, you know, where, where somebody just says, I'm going to go. Les Miles did not even go to Michigan. I mean, just hearing Les Miles say the word Michigan man, Michigan man. I mean that 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 screams Michigan. And 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 honestly, had the new had Kirk Herbstreet not reported the news, I don't know that that wouldn't have eventually happened. But he stayed at LSU. Probably some days wishes he hadn't have. But he stayed at LSU. Turned down his alma mater. He's a Michigan man because it just does it just doesn't happen. And Les was one of the few. That you know came from um, came from uh, Oklahoma State. Now, oh Dan Mullen going from Mississippi State to Florida, uh, that that is that's another one too that happened. But but again, yeah, that that is technically Power Five to Power Five. But, but he, yeah, with all due respect to Mississippi State, it, it, it's it, it's not Florida. You know, I mean, there's just not like Texas doesn't have to take a backseat to anybody in facilities, tradition, money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we, we've talked about there's a dozen, 15 schools that just have inherent advantages that other programs do not. Florida's one of them. You know, Texas is one of them. 
those schools typically don't lose. The, the Jimbo Fisher thing, remember we did a thing last year. Uh, I can't remember what the heck I called it. Something like six predictions that I'm hearing everybody saying that I guarantee you will not happen. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I was right on five of the six. And, I, and, I, and the only one I missed was Jimbo Fisher, and I'll tell you why I missed it. And, and eventually I, I spoke to some, some friends of mine that are uh, not only Florida State alums, but a couple of them are, are fairly, um, let's just say, uh, uh, friendly with their, their money to that particular program. I didn't realize how bad it got with Jimbo in Florida State. Mm-hmm. So you know, that was not a marriage made in heaven. He complained incessantly every year about facilities. He, the fan base got tired of him playing footsies with other jobs, always trying to uh, milk more money out of, out of Florida State. So it got to a point where that was not a good marriage at all. And so having known that now, it makes sense. And that's why he makes the move. That and $75 million, of course. But Florida State, I mean, if Florida State really, really wanted Jimbo Fisher, they might not have gotten to $75 million, but they would have been in the ballpark. I mean, Florida State's not they're not hurting for cash. They just don't have Texas A&M money. Most, most schools don't have Texas money. As I always say, there's money and then there's oil money. And having been to those campuses, those Texas campuses, and walking around, you just realize, holy smokes, that, that this is a different kind of coin they got rolling around here. Uh, but that's that's unusual. That Typically, that's not going to happen. And we see this happen all the time where a, a, a vacancy – we saw it in Tennessee. Um, somebody was joking with me the other day and said I, they really liked my, uh, my Ed Norton uh, <laughs> analogy last week, right, about Wisconsin football – about, you know they're they're like the Ed Norton they're they're you know Ed Norton movie it's always going to be he's always going to be good in it give a great performance you're going to be happy with it but he's never going to win an Oscar just like Wisconsin is always seems to like they're going to have to they're going to have to take a, a back step to some of those other programs the Big Ten and I'm not sure if we'll ever see Wisconsin win a national title ooh I'm going to take some hate mail on that one um, <sighs> but but and but the one I did last year about the Tennessee job when that debacle was unfolding is that they were looking for Kate Upton when they should be looking for Marissa Tomei. You know, they were going after all these huge names that just could not wait to go to Knoxville, guys that already had terrific jobs. Instead, go for the go for the incredibly bright and, and entertaining and smart forty uh, something year old Marissa Tomei. Go 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 for that, and and that's what they got in Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Jeremy's more in the Marissa Tomei category than the run of the mill supermodel that they were going after which, you know, five, six names deep, and after getting turned down by every supermodel on the block, they wound up with Marissa Tomei, and that's not a bad thing. So I, I think that more often than not, when these jobs come open, it's the same thing. The fan bases are convinced that every established coach at an established program that's winning wants to leave and take their job, and that's not reality, and I don't think that would be Ohio State's reality. It's a tremendous job. It's a tremendous a uh, place to coach with everything you could possibly ask for. It's turnkey in terms of success. Now, you still got to take it to the next level like Urban did, but you should be able to, at bare minimum, win nine games every season at Ohio State. Uh, but you can't just sit there and cherry-pick all these big names from other places and assume that they're going to want to leave to go to Columbus. I, I don't think that's reality. Absolutely. All right, so we were talking earlier today kind of off the off the air or off the pod if you will about some rising coaches uh in college football you know who who are the next group of guys 
realistically. I mean, look, Gary Patterson's never leaving TCU. Uh, he would have probably left for some other jobs if, if he was going to leave TCU. Who are the guys, you know, not necessarily a, a guy like maybe a, yeah, a Charlie Strong, who I think will make his way back to the Power Five at some point. Um, you know, who are the guys either in, on that fringe Power Five level job or, you know, in, in the not in the group of five or even in the FCS, Mike, if you know something about that. I don't really know many <laughs> FCS coaches. Yeah, you know, who, who are the next guys? Who, who is the next Scott Frost who everybody talks about? Yeah, I can't even keep up who's in the FCS anymore because the moment an Appalachian State becomes a powerhouse, then boom, they're FBS. So they're not FCS anymore. Otherwise, maybe we'd be uh, talking about uh, their coach because he's pretty damn good. Jeff Brom is a name that comes to mind uh, from Purdue. I know a lot of people are going to lead this list off with with Lane Kiffin. I'm I'm just not a Lane guy, so forgive me if I'm not convinced that Lane Kiffin's going to all of a sudden uh, be the right hire for somebody because he wasn't at Tennessee, he wasn't at Southern Cal, he wasn't for the Raiders. But, hell, he might keep winning the – Conference USA Championship over there in the mean streets of Boca at FAU, but that doesn't convince me that he's the right guy for this type of job that we're uh, that we're we're talking about. I know they didn't have the great year last year. Some people might even say it was a bust year. I still think Minnesota is one of the most difficult jobs on the planet, and I still think PJ Fleck brings a Bruce Pearl type of enthusiasm and adrenaline for maybe a, a program and a Power Five conference that's really been struggling but has more resources than. Minnesota does to compete. I think that's still an intriguing name. Um, I already mentioned Matt Campbell of, of Iowa State, to, to, to use your term, uh, fringe power five. I certainly think uh, that would qualify there as a guy who could certainly <clears throat> do some good things. Uh, maybe a Billy Napier is a possibility. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, Josh Heupel, if he does anything close to what Scott Frost did at UCF, that could all of a sudden be the next springboard huh. job out there, yeah, right? that could be the next Arkansas State in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. That that, that's, 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 the perfect, that's the perfect analogy. But those would be some of the names. I mean, there's a lot of coordinators we're not talking about. There's, there's, oh, always, yeah. there, there's always those uh, uh, coordinators. Oh, I'll throw another name out there. Neil Brown, head coach of Troy, who pulled off the upset of LSU last year. I believe he's... 38, 39. Mike Norvell, I mentioned earlier, uh, is a guy over there at Memphis who they won the West last year. They, they did without an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's uh, to me, I'm surprised, quite frankly, he didn't get more serious looks last year. Um, some people are talking about Scott Satterfield at Appalachian State. Uh, oh, Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard of Wisconsin. Defensive coordinator, former NFL. Seems like just yesterday he was playing in the NFL. Yeah, that be that be one other name I'd throw out there as a guy that could he, quickly move up the ranks. He's the next Paul Chris type of guy that. Uh huh. Um, that you know, Paul Chris was the the offensive line coach at Wisconsin, probably one of the more famous offensive line coaches in the country. Offensive coordinator for a while, then then went to Pitt, then back. Um, I feel bad for Pitt in some ways because Pat Narduzzi is a guy that I think, uh, you know, if somebody came along and, and wanted him maybe a, a higher-level Big Ten job, you know, I would feel bad if they lost him because they've been through so much coaching turnover. But I, And I know he had a down year last year, but they still beat the Hurricanes at the end of the year. Uh, had a lot of injuries, didn't, didn't really have a quarterback. I'm with you on Fleck. You know, Brian Harson from Boise State is a guy that I hear a lot about. Boise State seems to be like a tough place to, li- to leave. 
for some reason, and it's a great job. And of course, you know, we've seen from Houston Nutt to Dan Hawkins to you know Chris Peterson and now Harson. They're a winning program. Um, you know, not not like retreads. You know, like a Lane Kiffin or a Charlie Strong. The guys that have been up there with one of the better jobs in the country and had to drop back a little bit. You know, I, you know, I, I I think that's a different category. I know everybody loves Lane, and I think the school that hires Lane Kiffin and how, how long is Lovey Smith really going to coach at Illinois? I think this is it. I mean, I, I think he's I, done I, it for this year. I think that you know, you go and if you're Illinois, and and right now you're looking around your division, and there's Scott Frost, and you know Pat Fitzgerald's never going anywhere from Northwestern. Although I think he could take a a a top ten job and win a national championship because I think he's that good of a coach. You know, Brom is there at Purdue. You don't know if he's going to go anywhere or not. That division's getting tougher, uh, and you're not you're treading water uh, with the fighting Illini right now. So you better do something. Would Lane Kiffin even want Illinois? I don't know that I would leave Boca to go to uh, <laughs> Champagne, Champagne, Urbana. Uh, if I'm there. no offense to you, Illini fans, but I, I think that that's that's an interesting thing. I think Mike Norvell will get another job this year. Um, no offense to Memphis. Uh, I thought for sure Ole Miss or Arkansas would hire him. Yeah. And it kind of yeah. seemed like he went down that road. And then all of a sudden, you know, Luke got Ole Miss, Morris got Arkansas, you know, and then all of a sudden contract extension at Memphis for Norvell. If Matt Luke loses to Mississippi State in the finale, Mike Norvell might be the current head coach of Ole Miss. Some, sometimes it's just that thin of a, a layer. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, you, you're talking about Houston Nutt. Um, you know, there is there there are rumors about Houston Nutt and Gary Patterson in the upstate of South Carolina had Dabo Sweeney not beaten Clemson or not beaten South Carolina as the interim after he took over for Tommy Bowden, had he not won that game, there were rumors that I mean there was a member of Houston Nutt's staff, and Houston Nutt I believe was an Ole Miss at the time that that you know talked about how they were about ready to roll. To Clemson, South Carolina, and yeah. remember, Houston Nutt had ties to from Oklahoma State to Terry Don Phillips and and all that good stuff. So there there was a tie there, and there was a lot of talk about Gary Patterson uh, taking that Clemson job too. And back then, TCU wasn't TCU, and you know, obviously, Clemson has the financial resources that that TCU does. So I, you know, I, I think Norvell will get a job. Uh, I'm with you on Napier. I think he's a fantastic coach. Uh, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, Blake Anderson from Arkansas State. I would look for him if things go south with Larry Fedora. And, of course, he had 13 players suspended, uh, mm-hmm. three and nine last year. Prospects aren't looking good this year. They open at Cal, which is who scheduled that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, things could go south for him again this year. Blake Anderson was his OC at UNC early. I could see him going and taking that job. You know, Matt Wells from Utah State and Mike Bobo from Colorado State, two guys from, like, the Mountain West. Um, I, I think Utah State's in the Mountain West. Um, the, the, you know, for different – I think they'll end up with jobs in different parts of the country. I think Matt Wells is a guy that, you know, at some point will get a bigger job out West. I think Mike Bobo will probably come back to the SEC. Of course, he's the former I do too. quarterback um, doing a good job out there. I mentioned Pat Narduzzi as well. Um, you know, so so you kind of look uh, – it's weird, Mike, because the race to be that next national championship winning head coach, yeah, it's not not as cut and dry. I mean, I think we all figured Urban Meyer after Utah, whoever gets him, they're going to be pretty good. 
you know, whoever gets saving back from the NFL, it's going to be pretty good. Now, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it is a very exclusive club and you kind of, you know, you could put your finger on a Matt Campbell or a, a Mike Norvell or whoever, but you, you just kind of don't know who's going to be that next guy. Well, I mean, this is, I don't, I don't, this is how, you know, college football is, uh, impervious to almost anything. Right. I mean, for the longest time, we had the most laughable way of determining a national championship <laughs> in college football, but we accepted it and we still love the sport. And some people even chose to defend the BCS um, in, in a lapse of judgment because the euphoric feeling we feel about college football every every time this time of year, you overlook some of the flaws uh, for for much of its existence. College football has been a rudderless ship. The NCAA, a lot of people still make the mistake of thinking the NCAA runs college football. It does not. The conferences run college football. All these contracts you see uh, with, with bowls and everything else, that's done through the power. This is a power five world. That's who runs college football. The SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, the Pac-12, they run it, not the offices in Indiana for the NCAA. Uh, and and I, as I've said many times, as someone who's not only uh, – been around to, to call games at uh, all the SEC venues and most of the ACC and some of the Big Ten, Big 12. But I've also called games at these Group 5 schools. I've called games out of Southern Miss. I've called games out of, out of Memphis. Um, I've called games at a, at a Sun Belt school or two, Conference USA. And I can tell you that that gap has never been wider in the history of the sport. So we're basically... College football now, you, there's 129 Division One FBS schools. There's really not. There's 65, okay? Because if you're Group 5, with all due respect to the UCFs and the Houstons that kind of titillate us uh, every year with a, a nice little story, they have no chance of ever competing for national championships. And that gap just continues with the TV money that's flowing in. It just gets wider and wider and wider and wider, and it's not going to stop. And the 85 scholarship limit is never going to go lower. They tried that 15 years ago. And maybe we should go 75. No, 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 no. It's never going to go lower. So you can stockpile players out of Alabama. You can stockpile players out of Ohio State. You can stockpile players out of Clemson. And the advantage is too great. So that narrows it down to 65 schools. And then look at the preseason polls. Who are we talking about, JC? The same four or five schools. It's still we're living in an Alabama world a Clemson world, Ohio State world, Washington world, if you think the Pac-12 has any chance of winning a national title. Uh, I don't see it right now. I think Southern Cal has to, to get built itself back up to a power like it did under Pete Carroll. But we really, we've got about like 10 schools year in, year out that have a realistic chance of winning a national title. And the other 120 or 15 you're playing for what? Yeah, a conference championship, maybe a divisional championship. Okay, a third-rate bowl game, a second-rate bowl game, something. You, you you motivate yourself, and you're playing for that. But it, the the rich have gotten richer. Some would say it's always been that way in college football, with few um, exceptions. But we still love it. I mean, <laughs> I, I I I know 95 percent of the schools in Division One have no chance of winning a national title. 
but still every Saturday I'm going to be watching as much college football as I can. That's why I say college football, unlike so many other sports, it's impervious to almost anything because the love affair the fans have with the sport and the culture and the tailgating and everything else, that's not going away even though, let's be honest, it's become a very predictable sport in terms of who who actually has a chance of winning and who does not. Oh, yeah, and that's how some of these coaches determine – good jobs and bad jobs. I mean, it, it, and it, a lot of it too, you know, part of the reason some of these ACC schools are able to land the coaches that they do is, you know, if the money, all things are equal, they're like, well, I can, you know, I can go to Ole Miss and get my head beat in, in the SEC West and, and maybe fail and get fired. Or, you know, I can go coach at uh, school X in the ACC Atlantic. And, you know, I've got, I've got some guys I can beat every single year. And, and, you know, it, and for a while when the balance was off, SEC East versus SEC West, a lot of the buzz in the coaching community was, man, you know, SEC East jobs are the ones they want because the money's the same, but it's easier to win the division. Then all you got to do is win one game and you can go to the playoff. You know, that type mm. of thing. Um, mm. I'm going to say one more thing about Ryan Day. Uh, Ohio State fans, you're in good shape. I've been following this guy's career for a long time. Uh, back when I was covering recruiting at Rivals.com, uh, I started noticing Boston College was getting a, some players kind of in, from New Jersey and Pennsylvania that had pretty high star ratings to visit their campus. <laughs> and, and I looked, and even down south, you know, Boston College was handing out offers and things like that. Um, and the recruiter, because you list the recruiter by there, it was Ryan Day. So I kind of was like, well, this guy can recruit pretty well. He's at Boston College, for goodness sake. And he was at Boston College. For a long, long time under Jack Gazinski and Spaziani, that that kind of period where uh, BC had like three coaches in three years or, or whatever, uh, and were still pretty good. I think they won some division titles under Jags uh, at BC. Uh, that was the Matty Ice era. Um, you know, went to Temple under Adazio, and then went to Boston College with Adazio, who I think's done a good job stabilizing that situation. He's coached under Chip Kelly. He uh, played under Chip Kelly at the University of New Hampshire. Coached under Urban Meyer. Um, 39 years old. Uh, this this guy could really end up being something. He's also coached in the NFL. Uh, that's where he coached for Chip Kelly with the Eagles and the 49ers. Uh, one year each. But, he, you know, this guy here, I think, um, he's one to keep an eye on. You know, Mike, let's say Urban does get suspended a couple of games or something, and Ryan Day wins both of those, uh, and they're impressive doing so, which they should be. Heck, you could see him get a job next year, and that, that that's one of the coordinators uh, that that I would, you know, look at. And if you look at Ohio State's coaching staff, man, you've got Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano both that have been head coaches. Yeah, and pro- <laughs> I'm sure Coach Schiano's saying, uh, "Hey, remember me, the guy." Who- did some good things at Rutgers, head yeah. coaching experience. You yeah. sure, sure you don't want to reconsider that? Yeah, I mean, and look, I even think I even think Larry Johnson was the interim at Penn State for a while, if I'm not mistaken, and he, he's the D-line coach there. So I just, you know, man, I, I just uh, I think that, uh, you know, that's a guy to kind of look out for as far as, um, you know, future coaching stars and stuff like that, and it's uh, – He's a guy that I've followed for a long, long time. And, and who knows, maybe next week we'll have uh, 
uh, more of an update on the status of that whole situation where he fits inside that. I tell you, speaking of fitting, if you want to look your very best, custom fit clothes is the answer. BP Skinner Clothiers at bpskinnerclothiers.com. You can call them up. Brent will come to you. Doesn't matter where you're listening to us right now across the country. I don't think you can do an international trip yet. I don't know. Maybe yeah, if you're out there in Australia, talk to him. He might be able to be coerced into coming out to uh, Australia, Sydney, Melbourne. Could be nice this time of year. Come on out there and uh, do that. But I do know this. In the Continental 48, Brent's got you covered for sure. Uh, look, they think your look should be as unique as you are. Whether you're looking for a custom look or a consultant to help you build your wardrobe, their team at BP Skinner is here to help. I, I speak from experience, believe me. Uh, my uh, my fashion sense definitely needed a boost, and now I realize buying off the rack is not the answer if you want to look your very best. So go ahead and give them a shout. Check out the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. Brent Skinner and the gang there do a tremendous, tremendous job. He's been all over the country working on uh, a number of coaches and uh, TV folks and everybody else here because the word is getting out on just how good Brent Skinner is. JC, this is my final request before we sign off this week. Uh, I want some of our proud listeners of the JC and Morgan podcast to help you. This is kind of an intervention. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, you folks don't understand uh, JC, a man with in- incredible football knowledge and acumen and passion for the sport, somehow, despite the fact that he has a Netflix membership, has still not seen a single episode of Last Chance You. I just started the new season. I'm already four episodes deep. This new coach that they got over there in lovely Independence, Kansas Community College, Coach Jason Brown, who might be the most profane coach in the history of the sport, uh, it, it is, I'm telling you, it is must-see TV. And you of all people, the recruiting guru that you are, to watch all these these uh, five-star kids that started off at Florida State and Michigan and wherever else, they wind up here for a number of reasons. Uh, and, you, you know, think of all the knuckleheads you have to deal with at a regular school and now multiply that by 10 when you're coaching a junior college in the middle of nowhere where kids are getting very little of anything, you know, I mean, it's, it's it, it makes for great TV, and I get nothing to say this. It's completely unsolicited, but last chance you is must see TV. So tweet JC at JC Sherbert and do what I have not been able to do, and that is to convince him to carve out a few hours and watch this fine program. Uh, I I have to apologize for that. I don't, you know, when I watch TV, Mike, I kind of like to get away from the football. And I mean, I watch football on TV, and and I watch, you know, some some. Ta- but I, I'm not a guy that keeps ESPN. I'm very cultured, you know. I, I like a little Peaky Blinders on Netflix. I've heard that's good. You know, I, I like a little Ozark, which uh, is filmed love right right, right here in Atlanta, and uh, I, I've I love that show. Um, you know, I, I've got I've got my my kind of my tv i like documentaries i sure. too am a jfk historian yes and uh you know i uh, for those that don't know i moved to atlanta and mike lives near me so you know mike if you ever cruise by my crib at night and, and you hear a documentary going i'm sleeping <laughs> because that, that's how i go to sleep every night i watch like yeah hitler documentaries uh for world war ii i watch something on on, on the tojo 
Um, General Tojo from War. I love World War II, Vietnam War documentaries. And, and by the way, the Peter, the Peter, the Burns, Peter Burns Vietnam things. Outstanding. Yeah. It's ten. That's it's uh, what eighteen hours, but it's eighteen phenomenal hours. It's, it's. I mean, it's the best thing on the Vietnam War that it's ever done. Uh, yeah, ever done. Uh, that's nonfiction. You know, pl- Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July, Heaven and Earth, the Oliver Stone Vietnam trilogy, if you will. And it's kind of hard to top that Full Metal Jacket mm-hmm. things. You know, that era that we had of Vietnam movies. But um, it, it was great. But, you know, so so that that's kind of my TV thing, and and. So, so, so that's why I'd never get around to watching things like Last Chance You. I'm, I'm going to do it because I do love recruiting, and I, and I actually really love junior college recruiting because I think, you know, anytime a guy can kind of work his way back, you know, that kind of thing, um, you know, maybe didn't qualify out high and then achieve his dreams, uh, I think that's good. I also will tell you another reason why I don't necessarily – get into it as much because I don't know that it's totally realistic mm-hmm. as far as what some of these guys go through. Now I've been to my share of junior college practices and uh, there's a lot of F bombs. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I drove out to uh, Mesa, Arizona one time to Arizona Western. And that, that was the most profane practice I think I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> um, but you know, some of it's not that way. I mean, some of it's a little bit different and it's not, you know, I'm glad to see the players and the coaches and the, the folks at that level, you know, their stories are being told uh, at that kind of, you know, with that sort of, you know, powerful medium that Netflix has. But I yeah. just, you know, I just don't know if, uh, you know, I, that, I think it, there's reasons why I didn't get into it. Yeah, well, I'm not, I always am curious uh, or skeptical of reality shows because, let's face it, we all act a little bit differently when there's a TV camera in front of us. I don't care who you are. Um, but, but there's a lot of this that is, is really real. I would just tell you, go to season three, episode one, 58 minutes. And if you're not hooked after that, I'll be shocked. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I'm going to go, gonna... I'm going to go get that done, Mike, <laughs> uh, probably tomorrow. Cause, uh, I've got, uh, some things to do tonight. <laughs> there you go. I understand. I understand. We've got some things to do as well, including uh, getting this baby up on the big board so more of you folks can listen to it. And uh, we'll be back a week from now, and hopefully we'll have some more uh, clarity on the whole uh, Ohio State-Urban Meyer situation, and hopefully we'll be able to talk more about some other things going on, like positional battles and uh, expectations. We, I mean, a heck, a, a coach's poll came out the other day. You wouldn't even know about it because <laughs> – it was just buried yeah. in the urban story, uh, so we'll have uh, we'll have some actual game stuff to talk about uh, on the field stuff to talk about as well. So that'll do it for us. Uh, final ways to get on board, JC, if they don't already know. All right, you need to go get our podcast, people. Um, subscribe to it on iTunes. That's the best way. The second best way, if you're not an iPhone user, you have an Android, is through Google Play. Uh, we're also on an app called Stitcher, which is a uh, podcasting app. It's very popular. Download it to your phone. You can do tons of podcasting. Uh, we distribute this on 24-7 Sports uh, and also on Twitter. Mike is at Morgan on Air, and I am at J.C. Sherbert, J-C-S-H-U-R-B-U-R-T-T. Always love to talk with you folks out there on the Twitter about the podcast. And special thanks to our Iowa State fan that out of nowhere made a tweet. That yeah. said, and tagged us both in it that said, Rachel, Rachel, we appreciate you, Rachel. 
Uh, talking about the Cyclones, uh, said we did a great job and we're, we were very fair with the Big 12 breakdown, um, which surprised me because it's probably my least favorite conference to talk about. And it's, <laughs> it's the hardest to predict outside of, you know, Oklahoma sometimes, but it's, uh, it was, uh, um, it was very touching, Rachel. So Hilton Magic much. hitting the podcast. Hilton ah. Magic hitting the podcast. Got to love that. All right, that'll do it for us for JC. This is Mike saying so long. Tune in next week and enjoy the rest of your time. So long, everybody. Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. 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 An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space Space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped Striped. boat neck sweaters. Sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from.